and welcome to this week's edition of An Organic Conversation, a show about food, ecology, stories from the land, recipes, nature, sustainability, interconnectedness, relationships, and life itself. We're your host Helga Helberg, Mark Mulcahy, and Sitarani Palomar. Our topic on today's show is integrative animal care. And in this hour, we are discussing the most holistic approach to making sure our companion animals are healthy and happy and the synergies between holistic treatments and Western medicine. Meow, woof, chirp, chirp, integrative animal care, all that and more today on An Organic Conversation. Yeah, you know, uh, Timber was a little mad when we decided to put the, the, the wolf second. As the opposed meow to, first. Yeah. I know, yes. Timber gets a lot of airtime, though. He yeah. does get a lot of airtime, <laughs> right, yeah. And he is not the show's producer. So, so I, you know, what I like about this topic is, you know, it this pet care... Pet care products is almost a $50 billion industry a year. And the great part of that is, you know, there's a lot, you know, there's so many things you walk down the pet aisle and what do you choose, right? There's mm -hmm. like bright, shiny bags and cans and stuff for fleas and ticks and all kinds of stuff. And I'm really uh, interested in what I, what we can find out today about, uh, alternative uh, methods. Yeah, well, there's a lot of information about holistic healthcare for humans, mm -hmm. and even that is still daunting, right? So to go into holistic healthcare way beyond just food, right, way beyond holistic diet, but holistic healthcare for your pets is is even more intimidating because it's it's harder to find the information. It's not something we talk about every day. So I'm really looking forward to finding out answers to some of those things. Yes. Uh, you're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Harry Helber. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Uh, we'll take a quick break, but stay tuned for our first interview about integrative animal care. How poignant this topic today and our dedicated to what we can do in the world of Western and holistic medicine only here on In Organic Conversation. That and more right after the break. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Today's show is about integrative companion animal care, from dogs to cats to birds to reptiles and anything in between. Our companion animals are family. For most of us, the term pet does not capture the significance, comfort, and love we feel for and from our friends, whether they are two-legged, four-legged, no-legged, winged, or finned. From dental care to heartworm medicine, from vaccines to kibble, the companion animal business is a multi-billion dollar industry and not 
all that is offered is good. We wanted to dedicate today's hour on looking at holistic animal care and the synergies between holistic approaches and so-called Western medicine and how we may best support our best friend's health and life. Meow, woof, chirp, chirp. Integrative animal care today on an organic conversation. <laughs> we came up with that title. <laughs> I'm not going to point any fingers in this video, I, Actually, but. we just thought we just wanted to hear you say it on air. <laughs> so um, with us is Dr. Ellen Schoen, holistic and integrative veterinarian, also the founder of the Kindred Spirits Project, who has been in the world of holistic pet health and Western medicine, actually, for decades. Ellen, are you with us? I am. Wonderful to have you. Thank you for making the time. Welcome to the show, Alan. Yes, welcome. Oh, it's a joy to be with you, Helga Mark and Sita. So holistic pet care. We, we talked about before the show, Ellen, you and I talked a little bit about the foundation of well-being. Food, of course, plays a gigantic role in humans. Is that the same for pets in general? Absolutely. You know, holistic care for us and our animal friends is not that different. Certainly there are individual differences, but in general, diet is one of the key foundations. You know, we are what we eat, we're, and we're also what we think, you know, and we'll can go into that later in the talk. So the diet is the foundation for your animal's health. It helps prevent against cancer, liver disease, kidney disease, as well as even just flea and tick control, because the parasites, the fleas and ticks, they go and they sense and they smell the animal and they go for weaker animals, you know, and ones that mm. have odors. Yes. You which know, brings, so which, it's a foundation for everything. Which is a good point, odors. So before we get into the quality of food and particularly kibble, um, and it's beyond dogs and cats, this show. So looking at food, how different are domesticated companion animals compared to their counterparts in the wild. In other words, for example, a wolf eats, you know, once or twice a week, he sleeps most of the day. And if I see how many dog owners or, or people who have dogs as companion animals work around the food, feeding a dog once or twice or even three times a day, or maybe always having a bowl of kibble out, is it smart to adapt the, the original wild animal's behavior or are the animals at this point so domesticated that it doesn't matter anymore? Great question, Helga. And the answer is both, okay? I mean, I don't know anyone who has a domestic animal friend that only feeds them once or twice a week. They have definitely adapted to our society, you know. So, I, you know, to be honest with you, I'd have to, we'd have to see how a domesticated dog did like that. But they are so used to eating when we eat. You know, and if you, anyone who has a dog knows how they look at you uh, or your cat when you're eating. <laughs> Adapted in that sense yes. to eating like we do. However, the, you know, there's uh, always talk about the wild diet, the carnivorous diet of dogs. And I do think in general, the more we try to stay to the original natural diet, the better. Well, that, that, brings, that brings up a point where in the beginning of the show I asked about kibble. And, you know, so what is kibble? And, um, I mean, I have, I've had dogs and cats and stuff. And would, is it better to offer your, your, your pets a, a combination of both? 
you know, are there different types of kibble? Is it regulated? Is there some that are better than others? I mean, is all kibble bad? <laughs> Those are all great questions. And let's just start with there's very little regulation of what goes into kibble. And kibble in essentially is saying it's a processed food. So we're going under the assumption right there that processed food is okay. What I usually do when I talk to my clients, I say I put uh, pet foods on a scale from 1 to 10. Okay, the t- a 10 is the absolute best organic, homemade, natural diet. Okay, mm. that's balanced. A 1 is your store-bought, you know, generic dog food that you look at the ingredients and you can't recognize most of them. They're all mostly chemicals, and then they'll say different things like uh, corn meal or wheat meal or fish meal or something. So a meal means essentially it's anything that is related to that can be put into it. And so most kibble, uh, I, I prefer in an ideal world to be as natural and balanced as we can be with our animal friends as we are for us. You know, and so that's the 10. And that, you know, there are many debates about this, whether raw is better versus cooked. And I have to say, you know, there are many caveats around raw. In some provinces and states, you're not really, as a veterinarian, supposed to recommend raw. Yet I have seen dogs do extremely, extremely well on it when they weren't doing well on anything else. But again, with everything, there are caveats. So if we just briefly look at raw for a moment, the caveats are you have to know the source of it, you know, because the challenges with raw, rightfully so, are there's a potential for food poisoning if it's uh, not fresh and if it's not coming from a healthy source. And also, you know, like I had one client that was feeding her labs raw and the dogs were thriving and doing great. Then she had children. And I sat down with her and I said, you know, now that you have two babies, the dogs are licking uh, your baby's face. It's inevitable and everything. You don't want raw because there's a possibility of what are called zoonoses, infections that can be transmitted like salmonella and things from the dogs to to us. Okay, so those are some caveats around raw. And if one chooses to go raw, I would highly recommend, you know, reading all those caveats and making sure you're getting the absolute freshest sources and preventing those problems. Next beyond raw is organic home-cooked okay, like for us, or at least, you know, like people who still want to go raw, like this one client I was giving an example, I said, okay, at least just steam everything enough that you can avoid food poisoning and kill off any bacteria that could possibly be transmitted or other parasites that could be possibly be transmitted to humans. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And on the phone with us is Dr. Alan Schoen, holistic and integrative veterinarian and also the author of Kindred Spirits, How the Remarkable Bond Between Humans and Animals Can Change the Way We Live. Alan, I wanted to touch on what you were saying um, about the homemade food and how you should steam it. Now, would you would you steam meat or wh- what is? I mean, I'm I'm the I'm the chef, so I, I'm always about the recipes. I'm curious, what does a homemade dog meal look like? Or cat? Or cat meal? Mm-hmm. Steaming or just lightly cooking is by far the best. And so, again, if you're chef. I'm not a chef, by <laughs> and I actually tend to eat raw. Okay, so you'd probably be a better idea, you know, explanation of how long to you know steam or cook something to make it safe. 
but ju- just like we, tr- if one is trying to eat as naturally as possible, that's what we should be doing in balance for our animals. You know, dogs, they need meat, and they need, you know, fresh vegetables and everything. And I will put a caveat to that, too, because whenever you say something, there's always an exception. And I have to say, the healthiest dog that ever came into me, one client brought in a 20-year-old mutt that had been a vegetarian its whole life. And it was in perfect health, smelled great, silky coat. And I said, you know, normally you don't recommend vegetarian for dog for this. Right. But there was a dog in mint health. And I said to her, why are you bring it in? She goes, well, I thought at 20 it was a good idea to get it checked out. <laughs> well, I think that's such an interesting question because... I hear that a lot. People who are vegans want to feed their animals a vegan diet. And that that's a controversial subject because we say these animals naturally don't eat vegan diets. So it's interesting to hear that there are animals that have thrived on it. But what what, what, else, what else can you say about that? I mean, well, even with I, cats, for know, example. From what I can see, cats definitely need meat. I don't know of a vegan cat. Maybe there's one out there, a healthy one, but that I don't know. So I still recommend meat, and I still recommend meat for dogs, though, like I said, I have seen some amazingly healthy vegetarian dogs. So you don't know of any health implications by giving a carnivorous animal, a naturally carnivorous animal, a completely plant-based diet? Well, what you have to do, like I said, cats, I, I think they do need meat, and dogs in general, I think they do too. And what you have to do, you have to watch out for different proteins that they're not getting from a vegetable, plant-based diet, just like you do with people. Mm -hmm. And I think there are different individuals in dogs as well as people that can thrive on it or that don't do well on it. Fascinating. We want to go beyond the dog, even though my dog here in the studio loves this topic. But um, it is... Okay, if I could just say one thing, real quick thing, (laughs) just to give your listeners like some very practical hands-on take-home stuff, is there's one website called the Whole Dog Journal. And every six months, they evaluate the absolute best, most natural kibbles and canned foods. Because there's so many out there right now that no one can really keep up with what they are and what's in them. And they're always changing them. And, you know, right now, everyone likes to put the word natural on their food and this and that. So that's a good source for your readers on keeping up to date on what are the best ones. Yeah, that brings us back to the question of is all kibble bad? And the answer is clearly no, it's not. It, it, it depends on the ingredients. Um, quote, unquote, fresh food could be just as poor quality as poor quality kibble can be. Um, there is kibble, even though it's lightly processed, that I use, uh, especially when I travel, um, not so much at home, but when I, when I travel with my dog. I love it. He, he, my dog loves it. He thrives on it. His coat looks great. He doesn't smell by any means. Um, and it's just very practical. So not all kibble is bad. And yeah. you've commented on that already. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are really good ones. And, you know, I'm really grateful. A lot of companies have come out with really good quality kibble. You know, up here in Canada, there's one called Origins, made all Vancouver Island-based. That is absolutely wonderful, and the animals love it, and they thrive on it. And I I don't have any financial allegiance to them at all, either. Yeah, it's the same company, actually. Akena and Origin are made from the same company. Uh, ah, Great, great committed, biologically appropriate dog food. Yes, yes. And cat food. That's one of my favorites right now. Yes. And (laughs) things are always changing. You know, and it's 
key is for the consumer, the buyer beware, you know, keep on reading labels. Yeah, know your farmer and, and know your your companion animal food provider just as much. Know your life. Um, that's Knowledge Dr. Alan Schoen. Ellen, stay with us and we'll take a quick break, and, but we'll be right back with you and another wonderful take on Holistic Integrative Animal Care today on An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helber. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And we'll be right back with more. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards, Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. And we are back here today on An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Today's show is about integrative companion animal care, from dogs to cats to birds to reptiles and anything in between to look at the best health for our companion animals because they are family. Before we dive back into that interview with Dr. Ellen Schoen, the holistic and integrative veterinarian joining us today here on An Organic Conversation, here's the weekly update of the world of produce with our very pr own produce expert, Mark Mukehi. What's in season? What's in season, Mark? Well, we've all heard of chard and kales and had a lot of us eat those. But what about chicories? Well, today I've got Earl Herrick from Earl's Organic uh, Produce in San Francisco, the voice of the market on the phone. But today he's not the voice of the market He's actually should be called the voice of the farm. Earl, are you there? Yeah, that's right. That's what's going on. <laughs> hey, Earl. <laughs> Hi, Earl. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> hey. Where are you calling from? Well, right now I'm down in Central California, uh, just north, just outside of Santa Barbara, little a little town called Goleta, and I'm uh, walking the fields uh, of, uh, with a grower that I've been doing business, I don't know, 25, 30 years, Mr. John Givens. 
Is that your is that part of the being a, a produce buyer that you how often do you visit farms? Is that one of your tours? Yeah, well this is definitely what you what any good buyer ought to be doing. He ought to be out growing uh growing his relationships with the, with the grower, staying in touch with it. Because, you know, what you end up doing, you're talking on the phone, and so it's important to get down on the farm, you know, break some bread, but also see what's going on in the farm, and, and that sparks a lot of different things. And as we've talked about over, over the weeks and months we've been doing this, the relationship is really the bottom line of, of, of any, any transactions you're going to do. So, Great. yeah, this is – so I'll do three, four, up to six a year, And right now, um, I timed this pretty well. The, the weather's been good and lots of action out in the farm. Yeah, cool. put John on the line. Let him, let him <laughs> yeah. talk Here about you. his farm. That's so exciting. Here you go. So, hey, hey John, Hi, welcome John. to an organic conversation. Hi, John. Hi. <laughs> um, hey, John, um, your name has been in the organic produce world for a long, long time. How long have you been growing? And can you just give us a little description of uh, the, that, the, your, that piece of ground that you're, you've been farming for a while? Well, we have about uh, 10 different fields spread over 30 miles. We have about 170 total acres. We've been doing this since 1980. Um, we grow uh, in the wintertime um, diverse greens and strawberries, uh, carrots and kale. And uh, in this case, we're talking about endive, escarole, frisée, and dandelions. So, and so uh, can you let our listeners all over the country know what the name of the farm is and what label that might look like if they were, if they were, if produce managers were ordering it for their customers? Our label is something good. It's a uh, white box with purple lettering. Mm -hmm. uh, my name is John Givens, and it's, uh, we're known as John Givens Farm. Oh, fantastic. So, John, today uh, we wanted to talk about Uh, chicories and, and some bitter greens are they're, they're not as common as the kales and the chards that many people eat um, how long have you been growing um, you know chicory and dandelion and escarole and some of and some of these greens we started in 1985 and I started it for my health I had some arthritic things and I wanted to take some bitter um, herb type um, greens uh, with the sweet kind of thing so uh, we started with dandelions, and it was a very good idea. And uh, probably about 10 years ago, we were looking for other things that we were could do that are kind of specialty products, and we moved into endive, escarole, and frisée. So how's the weather been for those types of crops this year? Um, they pretty much grow under many winter conditions. We've not had a lot of rain. It's been a lot warmer year. And they pretty much grow under any condition that we get in this area because we have milder winter conditions here. So we'll see a good supply of bitter greens in the market? Yes, I'd say there is. We have a very good supply of these greens. But one thing to keep in mind is that the bolting season where plants go to seed is going to be happening in the near future. And so dandelions planted before Uh, the last solstice are going to bolt and make seed and not have greens harvestable. And so we'd have to have new crops planted after the first of the year to continue on with these things. All the endive, escarole, frisée will be bolting and making seed about May 1st. Okay, so yeah, we got. We'll have another. We'll have another good month. How do you harvest these greens? How I mean, dandelions grow long and tall, and escarole tends to grow kind of flat, right? More like 
a lettuce. So endivascular and frisee are going to look like a lettuce when we harvest them. We make one cut and cut off the plant, and then it would have to be planted again. But in the case of um, dandelions, we can cut repeatedly the same thing. We cut them down to the ground, and they grow back three or four times. And John, I love what you said about um, planting dandelions because you were looking for something to help your arthritic condition. I'm curious, can you can you say how that actually benefited you? Did you did you notice a difference when you started eating more bitter greens? I I really can't say that. It, it turned out to be a better crop for selling than for personal consumption. In in <laughs> my case, I've not been the biggest dandelion. I mean, we'd put them in salads or something, but. Um, as to making a tea out of them or something uh, to get the bitter juice. I didn't persist in it a long time, but it turned out to be one of my better ideas in building our farm to have dandelions because I was one of the first ones to do it. And people came and bought some dandelions because they needed them, and then they bought other products too. That's nice. fantastic. Well, John, thank you so much for being on Inorganic Conversation today, and we wish you continued success out there in your fields. Um, can you put Earl back on the line, and we'll uh, talk to him about next week? One second. Earl, are you here? <laughs> hey. Are you eating bitter greens over there? Hey, you know, Doing some sampling? Farm, so I'm all over the place. <laughs> what's what's up? What's up next for you, Earl? Where are you heading next? Well, I'm going to be I'm going to be heading north, and um, uh, I'll be probably stopping by in Buellton. We have a big grower, Tutti Fruity, there, and his seasons. He's just getting some stuff in the ground, and there's a conversation and some uh, photos. Uh, that I'm going to be sharing with you guys. Oh, that's great! Well, yeah. that's oh, a, look it, for those. It's yeah. a good. It's a good season this spring for row crop growers um, yeah. because of the weather. The fields are still in full production, and well, yeah. not only that, you know, none of their uh, plantings getting interrupted with rains or anything. So yes. they're very much on schedule, and and uh, we should expect full production here for a while. That's good. great, and we'll look out for those bitter greens right now before they bulb. That's yeah. right. In May. That's right. Thanks so much, Earl. We'll have you back Thank next you, week. Earl. Great. I'll be looking forward to it. Have, a great have fun tour. on the farm. Yes. <laughs> I am. Take it easy. Bye. So, if you're going to be choosing some bitter greens like dandelion or escarole or endive, um, you want to go out there and you want to look for leaves that are really ha that are bright and have stems that are firm. You don't want any limp greens on any of these things. They're yellowing, and even though they have a little bit of a bitter flavor. Um, so, you know, Sita's going to talk about how to prepare them a little bit and why they're good for you. But, you know, give them a chance because sometimes what I'll do with these bitter greens is I'll mix them with other greens to kind of take a little bit of that bitterness away or even some, or I'll even use some citrus dressing, which tends to help with that. Um, but escarole has a slightly bitter flavor, whereas some of the other, like radicchio, is a little are you know really quite bitter. So if you want to if you want to delve into this, you might want to start with escarole, and you want to look for something that um, has a nice kind of light green leaf. the 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 flavor will be sweeter as you get towards the middle of the green. So if you're looking for you know the least bitter part of it, that's the best place to look. Um, but you want a nice you want a nice firm leaves and spotless leaves in a nice, beautiful, light green color. And escarole and dandelion and greens like this can be stored in your refrigerator in a perforated plastic bag for about a week. It needs a little bit of those air holes because if it stays too wet, it'll start rotting in the center of the greens, and so you want to stay mm -hmm. away from that. And to avoid wilting, you want to wash your escarole and some of the in these bitter greens just before preparing it. And 
another thing, if you found that it started to wilt, you can soak it in a little bit of warm water and then dip it in really cold water. It'll help firm up those leaves before you use it for a salad. And lastly, if you want to lessen the bitterness of any of these types of lettuce type of bitter greens, if you soak it in cold water for about 10 minutes, it tends to take, take away a little bit of that bitterness. So that's what's Great in season. Tips. Well, <laughs> the weekly update from the field, from the produce market, and from the world of uh, produce retailing and how to pick your best piece of produce item. Thanks, Mark. You're Mark welcome. Mulcahy with mm-hmm. What's in Season. Mm-hmm. And we will look at the health benefits and properties and how to prepare all those delicious bitter greens uh, coming up with our very own Sita Rani Palomar, Chef Sita at the Holistic Bite in just a few minutes. Are yeah, you ready, Sita? I am. I am ready. I love talking about dandelion greens. And I'm actually drinking dandelion tea right now in the studio. So we can talk about that later, too. And why. Yes. And why. Good. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Bukehi. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And today's hour is dedicated to holistic animal companion animal care. Uh, with us is Dr. Ellen Schoen, who is a holistic and integrative veterinarian, also the author of Kindred Spirits, How the Remarkable Bond Between Humans and Animals Can Change the Way We Live. And we want to dive into that book a little bit, Alan, with you. But Sita, you had a question about the environment we keep and the environment we live in. Yeah, Alan, so we've talked about food now. We want to get into the whole surroundings, the environment of the animal, whether it's the backyard for chickens or if it's the carpet in your household. What are the consequences to having toxins in an animal's environment? And what type of toxins are our companion animals exposed to, like pesticides or plastic in their toys or rawhide or cleaning products? And can you tell us what we should look out for when we are equipping a home that's going to be safe for our beloved friends? Animal friends. Well, every, Sita, everything you mentioned, it's all of the above. You know, a green home for us is a green home for our animal friends. They, again, there are always little caveats, like there are certain uh, plants in the house that you don't want to have that a cat might come over and eat, and that can be toxic to them. And if you just Google toxic plants for cats, you can come up with a list and make sure you don't have those inside. But all the... Um, you know, the, our dogs and our cats are like the canary in the cage, so to speak, syndrome, where they are down on the ground smelling the carpets and all of that, you know, everything that's on the ground and all the household cleaners, they're closer to it, so they inhale it more, and they're smaller so that they're more sensitive to them. Just like babies, right, Wood, if Just they like crawl babies. on the carpet mm-hmm. all day. Exactly. And, you know, I've seen more and more as uh, we tend to use more chemical, not we, but, you know, the public tends to use more and more pesticides, uh, not just pesticides, but household cleaners that are toxic, or even, you know, things like uh, I had a few clients that their cats started developing asthma. And we went through, when I, rather than just put them on drugs or medications for that, I go through a whole environmental history with them, and we go through what are any new exposures to chemicals in the house. And what we found is some of them, some of the fresheners that are put into washers and dryers to make things smell fresh, that people and animals are reacting to them. But the animals are sleeping right in there, and they're smaller, and they're much more sensitive. So um, 
a number of cats that I know, what we did was we said, let's remove that and see if that clears up the asthma rather than having the cat live on medications that have side effects for long term. And sure enough, when we removed those fresheners from the laundry machines, you know, from the washers and dryers, the asthma cleared up. What was even more interesting than the owner went or the client, you know, went and said, you know something, ever since we've been using that, I've been coughing too at night. <laughs> and that cleared up for both of them. Wow. So we, we, we said in the food world, it's all about the quality of ingredients. Know your farmer, know your food producer. Not all kibble is bad. And so it's not all fresh made food at home necessarily good. The environment we live in, in the backyard or in the household, would you say it really affects the animals? Is, is their metabolism, their, their immune system, is it comparable to the common companion animal? Or I, I always believed up until recently that they do deal with environmental toxins differently, but it sounds like it's fairly similar. And as a consequence, are you seeing cancer rates in animals just as much as in humans? Yes, the You know, in general, I think even like cats have a more sensitive system than dogs. And so you, you see it again, the canary in the cage um, thing where they're actually, they may start reacting before we do. And all the pesticides, all the sprays that are sprayed on lawns and golf courses and this and that, they're sniffing and smelling those and eating them. So they're getting actually a higher concentration of them. Uh, so... You know, what we need to do is, again, take the step back and look at labels. When it's amazing, you know, how many times you look at all the tiny, tiny print on the labels and all the different toxic side effects. Yeah, your, your dog, your cat, your bird, your chickens, your um, any animal is going to build those up. And the immune systems of all living beings, mm -hmm. to me, what happens is we reach a toxic threshold. Sure. You may be able to tolerate one toxic exposure and then another one and then another one, but then all of a sudden there's accumulation in the liver and the kidneys and the body, and boom, you never know exactly which one will tip the immune system and the animal will become toxic, develop cancer. We are seeing more and more cancer in uh, animals. You know, there's been debates, oh, are we seeing more, or is it that we're diagnosing it more? And most veterinarians agree that we're just, we're seeing so much more now. And because of the cumulative effects of all the toxins that we spray on the animals, that they eat, that they smell, that they're exposed to on the ground in the house, as well as outside. Yes, it's called the total load, right? At one point, yep. the body can't deal with the it anymore. The total toxic load. Yes. Well, that brings up something is I often, when I'm talking to pet owners, they will say that for ticks and for fleas, that uh, a lot of these natural products really don't work as well as uh, some of the you know most popular ones, the ones that you, uh, that you put on the back of the cat or dog or animal's neck or have them ingest or something like that. What would your response be to that? Well, you know, what I've always said for the longest time is the more toxic something is, sometimes the better it works and the longer it lasts. <laughs> mm. Yes, it's mm -hmm. all true. Yes. So you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. If someone is living an incredibly frenetic life and they don't have time to do it all natural, they're going to resort to something more toxic. And again, I always suggest looking at the labels. 
I mean, there's a number of products on the market that were so toxic that the FDA actually uh, took them off and said you have to put warnings on them now, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So it's true. The more natural, the more frequently you have to use them. And, the, you know, in general, they don't work quite as well. The flip side of that is, again, when we go back to diet, if they have a healthier diet, in general, I've seen animals that are on a super healthy diet don't seem to get fleas and ticks as much. Yes, Other you, simple you were things saying that, that you can add are like some apple cider vinegar, you know, small amounts, no more than two tablespoons in a large bowl of water, where you can make a spray of about 50% apple cider vinegar and 50% water and spray it on your dog's coat. Just make sure not to get it in the eyes or the ears. There's, you know, and the flip side of natural, too, is if you don't do it properly, they can be toxic. I know there was one article published in the Journal of the American Veterinary Medical Association on pennyroyal toxicity. Uh, An innocent, well-meaning person went and said, oh, pennyroyal's good, and soaked the dog's collar in it. It was so concentrated that the dog uh, developed liver disease. Yes, and you are, of course, right. All of this, you said that in the beginning of the show, all of this is information. If a dog has uh, fleas regularly, it often indicates that there is um, an imbalance in his lifestyle, in his exposure to toxins, perhaps, in, in, in his food, something that is weakening the system to be more prone to diseases, just as with humans. Dr. Alan Schoen is still with us And thank you for spending your hour with us. He is a holistic and integrative veterinarian and also the founder of the Kindred Spirits Project and the author of Kindred Spirits, How the Remarkable Bond Between Humans and Animals Can Change the Way We Live. Ellen, we want to hear about how the overall lifestyle exercise, the bond with humans affects not just the animal's health, but also the human health. But we do need to take a quick break. We'll be right back with that interview with you. Please Stay put for just a moment. We'll be right back. is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons, so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. 
Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. We are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Today's show is about integrative companion animal care. Chicken, horses, dogs and cats, reptiles, fish, whatever your best friend may be in whatever form or shape he or she may be in your life. We are looking in this hour at the best mix of Western medicine and holistic animal care. Before we dive back into the interview with Dr. Alan Schoen, here is our very own Sitarani Palomar, Chef Sita, with the Holistic Bite. Thanks, Helga. Well, bitter greens. It's not something that Americans have much of a palate for. And that's unfortunate because it has a whole host of health benefits. So I want to encourage people to do it and give you some quick tips on how you can enjoy more bitter greens in your diet. And bitter greens are beloved by the liver. The bitter is beloved by the liver because... Bitters, particularly dandelion root, which we talked a little bit about earlier, and dandelion greens as well, the whole dandelion plant, has demonstrated the ability to help clear toxins from the liver. The liver is the detox organ, and so when people do cleanses throughout the year, sometimes they'll do a spring cleanse. It's really a liver cleanse, and that helps to push out any toxins that have accumulated. And when we did our natural baby show recently, we talked about how beneficial it is to do regular detox and cleansing, and whatever you can do to help support your liver, if it's a seasonal cleanse or just getting bitter greens into your diet once a week is going to really help you enjoy more overall lasting health and vitality. So there's this great quote in um, one of my favorites. It's not really a cookbook so much as a, as a culinary guide called the Flavor Bible. And it says, the essence of great cooking is to bring the four tastes into balanced harmony to create deliciousness. So if it's the bitterness that y- keeps you away from eating things like escarole and endive and chicory and frise, then what you really need to do is look at what helps to balance the bitter flavor because eating just bitter is not enjoyable. Eating just sweet is not enjoyable. When you bake, you put a pinch of sea salt into your into your sweet because the salt helps to balance that sweetness and then the overall flavor is more enjoyable because it's more balanced. And so the, the flavors that balance bitter are sweet and fat, which isn't really a flavor, but texturally and 
satiating wise if you add fat to something it helps to balance the bitter so what I like to do with endive in particular I think it's a great transport mechanism you know I love to eat like cheeses and tapenades and pestos and all of those things and we usually put them on bread because we need a transport mechanism for something like that you don't usually just grab it with your fingers and usually you use bread but you could do something like endive which has a nice sturdy structure to it and endive it's like one calorie for an entire head of endive so it's totally a great transport mechanism plus all of the health benefits so I do um, a savory cashew cream or a mascarpone cheese with lots of herbs so chives and um, thyme and then serve it with a little bit of sun-dried tomato tapenade and kalamata olives and fresh parsley and you just mix all of this together you know you mix your your herb cheese together and you top it with the tapenade and you put that on these little endive spears and you get the benefit of the bitter but it's balanced with the the sweetness from the cheese and also the fattiness and the lusciousness of it so there are lots of things you can do to enjoy bitter greens not just get it into your diet but really enjoy it because the experience is more than eating what's good for you it's about it's about making it a, a lifelong pursuit of food and pleasure. So check out the recipe for endive spears with herb mascarpone and sun-dried tomato kalamata uh, olive tapenade on our Facebook page or on our website, organicconversation.com. And I want to make sure that our listeners know that uh, Sita's talking about Belgian on oh, thank you. endive mm-hmm. uh, when she, for this recipe. There is also curly endive, yes. too, that you won't be able to use that exact same way. So yes, thank you. falls through, then. It would, you it don't would get much tough yes. enough. Yeah, not so much with the transport mechanism there, huh? <laughs> no, uh, thank and, you, Chef Sita, oh, for pleasure. the holistic bite. Today's topic on organic conversation in the world of produce is bitters and greens. Yeah, and I said at the beginning that the bitter flavor isn't something that Americans really enjoy, enjoy much, but Helga, that's something that you're really familiar with growing up in Germany. Yeah, I would say this country is almost retrieved of bitters. It's almost mm-hmm. it's almost bitterless. The U.S. Uh, in Germany, much, much more common. All the dark leafy vegetables, the bitters, um, overcooking spinach on purpose, like really, <laughs> oh, really? having, yeah, having, really? having that kind of detox function intentionally or not, I don't know. But bitter has been a strong part of, of my upbringing in my life. And actually, uh, my bitter tolerance is so high that if I don't have something pretty bitter once a week, I don't feel like it's almost like a tonic. I don't feel oh, yeah. you know in balance. I don't feel uh, grounded or toned right in digestive wise. If I just eat sugar and sweets um, there on day four or five, uh, I'm craving bitters to, yeah. to ground me back. Yeah, bitter is a tonifier, and it helps to um, clean the blood too. They say so. Yeah. Yes. So you're saying bitters better? Bitters better. Yes. And uh, you're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. <laughs> And I'm Sitarani Palomar. (laughs) And Dr. Alan Schoen is still with us, uh, a holistic and integrative veterinarian and also the founder of the Kindred Spirits Project. Alan, we we talked about the environment uh, in the backyard and in the house. But I wanted to, Alan, I wanted to make sure we touched on um, the importance of the human connection and the importance of touch or alternative practices like massage or acupuncture or different or those different things for animals um, have in your practice do you see that there's a value in, in in some of these different methods or just the fact of the human touch having having the value in uh, of the health of a pet well I, I've been actually one of the pioneers in acupuncture for animals for over 30 years and so the benefit of acupuncture and physical, different physical therapies, chiropractic, musculoskeletal alignment, massage, are all an essential part of my approach to animal health care. And I always teach my clients how to massage their animals in between 
acupuncture treatments. And the power, the healing power of touch is so, so powerful, you know, with, you know, with our animal friends that, you know, I show, I tell my clients, you know, if you're sitting and you're just, you're watching TV, which shouldn't be, but anyway, <laughs> whatever you're doing, and you're sitting to touch the animal, the power of touch stimulating endorphins, it's healing for both your dog, your cat, your ferret, whatever animal companion you have, as well as for you. We've fa- they've found that the health benefits go both ways. And those uh, benefits uh, in my book, Kindred Spirits, I documented them, how important they were, say, in senior uh, in assisted living facilities and in children, in orphanages, and uh, as well as it with prisoners. A- everyone is craving touch and love. And that's one of the key parts of my Kindred Spirits project is, to me, the, one of the essential healing things that the world needs so much now and why the you know, animal care industry is booming is everyone is looking yearning for love. And our animal companions are one of the few that can give us unconditional love. And you're so, tr- so right. It's so true what you're saying that when, when you start to care or when you consider as a "Quote unquote owner as a as a as a human companion to your animal companion, uh, holistic care does doesn't that affect how you view your life as the the human companion as well? Have you seen that your the treatment for the animal that you were recommending changed somebody's lives and somebody's diet, for example? Oh, I've seen that so many times where people came to me as a last resort after Western medicine wasn't working anymore, and they just loved their animal, and they said, I don't really believe in acupuncture or herbs or nutrition or anything, but I love my animal so much, and everyone else has said we have to put, you know, euthanize uh, my my animal and they don't want to and when they start seeing how well the animals do with the change of diet with acupuncture with all the different natural holistic approaches they go what about me and i go yeah and so many of my clients ended up changing their diets going for acupuncture getting healthier exercising more you know and you know we talked about exercise and exercising it isn't just walking with your dog so many cats love to walk on leashes or you know walk along with you yeah. and um or play you or know, play with us time of play and they bring out our inner joy yes you know? and that's that's and really in the best sense of the word holistic of course as it is all integrated um it does integrate the the human side of the animal relationship just as much that's dr ellen Schoen. um ellen thanks so so much for joining us today and um if people do want to Find your blog and read more about what you do. What's the best website to do so? It's the kindredspiritsproject.com. And we put that up on our Facebook page, of course, as well. Um, thanks again, Dr. Alan Schoen, for joining us today. Wonderful show. Great really having you, Alan. Your time. Thank yeah, you. Thanks, oh, it's Alan. a joy to share with all of you. You're, Thank you're you. great. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. you. Thank too. you. And that was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger. This show would not be possible without the ongoing support from our listeners. Whether it's a dollar a month or a one-time donation, please consider becoming a patron of An Organic Conversation. For more information on how to support this program, please visit patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. 
organiccom forward slash an organic conversation. Thank you for your contribution. An organic conversation is made possible through listeners like you and the fantastic support of our underwriters. Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor providing certified organic fruits and vegetables for your store, home, or business since 1988. The website is earlsorganic.com. And also Fry Vineyards, America's first certified organic winery, producing organic and certified biodynamic wine. For more information, frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. Thank you as well to Bowman College, focused on holistic nutrition and culinary arts for over 20 years. Bowman College offers professional training programs that prepare individuals for careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Their website is bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash anorganicconversation. We are your hosts, Helga Helber and Sitarani Palomar. And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. Bye.